It's so good to have you here. My name is Scott, the lead pastor here. And I'm going to invite Brent Trask to come and join me on the platform. Brent has been a pastor for many years here in our district, most recently leading our Rock Point Church. And now has been uh, our overall leader for all of the province of Alberta and the Northwest Territories for 11 and a half years. My privilege to have served with you a number of times, and I'd like to pray for you, which is our custom here. Kind Father, pray for a fresh anointing to fall. So many times, bless him as he speaks. Bless Mandy, his wife, who's overseas in Denmark, visiting the grandkids right now. And Lord, as he speaks, would you just touch my heart first? Are here or whether they're online. Pray these things in your precious name. Well, hello, friends. It's great to be back here at UDAC. It's been a while since uh, I've been here to preach before. I'm often here midweek more than I'm here on weekends. So it's good to be with you. And I invite you to open your Bibles to Psalm chapter 18, verses 1 to 3 is where we're going to begin today. And uh, I didn't know that I was going to get such a workout in worship today. That was fantastic solo. It was an aerobic and a worshipful experience for me. And it's great to be able to worship together with you. And that's the sort of psalm that we're going to begin with as well. An exuberant psalm. And so hear the word of the Lord. I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. I love you, Lord. I love you, my God, my rock, in whom I find my protection. I love you. You are my shield, Lord. I love you. The power that saves me, my place of safety. Oh, how I love you, Lord. You are my strength. I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise, and he saved me from my enemies. I love you, Lord. You are my strength. What a beautiful psalm. This is the worship heart of King David. And I'm touched and inspired by what God's doing in your lives here at University Drive Alliance Church and really in and through your church. I think it's amazing what God is doing in your midst. You're a rock-solid witness for Jesus here on the west side of Lethbridge and through your missionary efforts all around the world. Fantastic to hear today as well what you're doing for the ministry in Costa Rica. Your health and vitality and prayer and worship and love and community are a night and day difference from the valley of covid 12 to 18 months ago, lest we forget. And sometimes when we're inside our church, we don't realize how special and beautiful it is. We see its kind of uh, difficulties. We see kind of the cracks. We see a little bit like the wrinkles of the church. But sometimes we need to just step back and say, our church is beautiful. It's amazing what God is doing. We need to treasure this season that we are in. And uh, we forget about how dark and difficult the local church landscape is across this country and friends university drive is an amazing church you're an amazing church family and i love your pastoral and leadership team in seasons like this when i was pastoring in calgary i would remind our people that we need to treasure the sort of season that we're in and protect it and pray that god would grant us humility and devotion to sustain this season the celtic christians had an expression for this they called it a thin place 
a thin place, a descriptor between when the boundary between heaven and earth is especially thin. And it's, you know, the, the Bible does say that there are windows in heaven. And somehow when God opens a window in heaven, something of the goodness and the glory and the blessing and the fullness of God falls out upon people here on earth. A thin place is where there is a transmission uh, between heaven and earth. It's really where the Lord's prayer comes together, where it says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's a thin place. Imagine with me what would happen if scores upon hundreds upon thousands of churches were in a thin place all at the same time. Friends, I think that would produce an awakening within Canada and a revival within the church, a revival within our church here. And is this not what we would want for the church of Canada and for the nation of Canada? And is this not what we would want for our church here at University Drive? Yes. And friends, there is hope. This has happened before, many times, and in many places. And one such instance was in the Welsh revival of 1904-1905. Over the course of only one year, more than 100,000 people were converted to Christ. Churches were packed with people. Prayer meetings and services ran at all hours of the day. Confession, repentance, union with Christ, and life transformation were the norm. And it wasn't just that the church changed. Society changed too. Crime rates plummeted so much that the jails were empty and the courts were deserted and they had nothing to do. One town's police force closed their station and they formed a choir to sing in the revival meetings because they had no other demands on their time. And sporting teams stopped competing. Pubs were closed early because the crowds were all in the churches. The revival in Wales even affected the animals. Because the coal miners were so convicted of their swearing and foul language, the mining horses no longer understood them and had to be completely retrained. This revival storm that hit the hills and the valleys of Wales in the final months of 1904 soon became a hurricane that went on and spread to other countries. Hungry pilgrims from France and Turkey and Switzerland and the USA, to name a few, but they came to visit and, and they caught the flame of God's fire and what he was doing in the Welsh church. And as they traveled home, they brought the flame of the Holy Spirit and of repentance and of, of a I love you, Lord, sort of a, a conviction back to their home churches. And this, friends, is where we can trace the roots of the charismatic movement, which is now a church of 650 million people on earth. All traced back to 1904 and the Welsh revival. How did all this start? Well, not in the way that you might think. Not through famous preachers. Not through big city churches of the day, but rather from the midst of a little youth group of teenagers in a coal mining town half the size of Coalhurst, New Quail, Wales, perhaps 1,500 people. And there in New Quail, in February of 1904, while at a youth meeting in her local church, a young teenage girl, overwhelmed by the ministry of the Holy Spirit in her own life, her name being Flory Evans, she stood trembling in front of her peer teenagers and publicly declared, I love the Lord Jesus with all my heart. And somehow, with these words, the Spirit of God seemed to fall on the youth gathering. And the fire quickly spread to other younger people in the Cardiganshire area. And then bands of praying, worshiping teenagers began to visit and share their testimony their zeal for God from church to church in Wales. Can you imagine youth groups going out and pushing aside pastors to give their testimony 
of their love for God. But this is what was happening. And so a wave of God's presence fluttered across the countryside of Wales. In many ways, Wales was not ready for a revival as we would see it. There wasn't a unification of the churches coming together to pray. The prevailing culture was disinterested in faith, disinterested in godliness, Christ and his church. In fact, maybe there's a correlation between the instability of society in Wales at the turn of the 20th century and our current day. Wales had a strong Christian history. Well, so do we here in Canada. Wales had political unrest, and so do we. Wales had a love affair with sin, and so do we. Wales had churches struggling to pass their faith on to their neighbors and to the next generation of children and grandchildren, and so do we. Wales had addiction and insecurity and pain and grief everywhere. But then there is the cry of this young woman piercing the darkness, I love you, Lord Jesus, with all my heart. Friends, if we are to see an awakening in Canada and revival in our churches, this must be in our bones and on our lips as well. Not just as a spoken word, but rising up out of our soul. I love you, Lord Jesus, with all of my heart. In the Alliance churches across Canada, we've been expressing our vision through a prayer. We're going to put that up on the screen here. And it's a prayer for our own lives and for our churches And through this common prayer that we've been praying the last few years, we are trusting God to work in our lives and in our churches and to have an awakening type of effect on the communities where it is that we live, serve, and play. And I'd like us to express this together. Is it up there? There we go. Let's, Let's pray this prayer together out loud, can we? Oh God, with all our hearts, we long for you. Come transform us to be Christ centered, spirit empowered, mission focused people multiplying disciples everywhere. This whole prayer is predicated on hunger for more of God. I want Jesus you know, more than I've ever known before. I want to know him and make him known. I'm thirsty for the Holy Spirit. I want to walk in his presence in power with a deep longing for more of God in all of our hearts. Often as Christians, this is what we want for our lives. But the reality is our hearts are inconsistent. Our passion and discipline and commitment is kind of like the the tide of the sea. Sometimes it comes in and sometimes it goes out. And this is especially true when we've experienced trauma and hurt and critical incident stressors, those caused by COVID, for instance. These 35 months have been brutal. And to think that not only did you go through a traumatic experience, but everybody on the planet Earth went through a trauma experience at the same time. What impact might that have? There is a degree of detachment that comes in the human heart from wanting to prevail and carry on and care about much of anything. This is a normal post-traumatic stress. And the collective post-traumatic stress, friends, I think has resulted in disillusionment, diminished devotion, and difficulty being all in on much of anything, including God including a love for God's church, including a love for one's own spouse and family, including a love and a passion for my employment or my, my, my vocation the way that it used to be, including a zeal to learn. We might call it half-heartedness instead of wholeheartedness. Pastor Scott is on my elders board. Uh, you have an elders board here at the church that are elected. We have... Uh, an elders board for our district, our family of churches, 115 churches in Alberta. 
one in the Northwest Territories, and Scott is the chairman of the board. And he leads our meetings, and we've worked together for nine years or so, quite a long time, but greatly enjoying your pastor. And in some ways, I'm accountable to him. In other ways, he's accountable to me. I'm his bishop, and he's my boss. His board that he chairs, I am accountable to them. And in October, we were together as a board, and we were praying. We had intercessors praying for us. Some of those intercessors are here in the church. And our board came together to ask Jesus, what do you want to say to us in our family of churches? And here's one of the messages we received from, from the Lord. There is a great spiritual battle going on in the church in this season for her commitment of love for Jesus, which is evident in a growing lack of commitment to the church itself. The bride of Christ, the church, is that which he is most affectionate for. And the, the sense was is that there was a spiritual battle going on, raging in the heavens for the hearts of God's people. And our commitment of love for Jesus and our commitment to the church itself. In John 21, after all the trauma and chaos and pain of Peter's betrayal of Jesus and then Jesus' subsequent arrest, gruesome death and victorious resurrection, Jesus comes to Peter and asks him the same question three times. Do you love me? Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me? And I have a sense, friends, that Jesus is asking this question of his church. Do you love me? I know you've been through trauma. I know that there is post-traumatic detachment taking place in many, many people's hearts. And Jesus is calling, and there's a battle raging in the heavenly realm for the renewal of loving God with wholehearted devotion in such a way that we'll be given the grace to be kept. The great ironic blessing is the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you. We always forget the word keep you. The keeper care of God is fantastic. May the Lord bless you and keep you, keep you faithful keep you uncompromising, keep you not tolerating temptation and, and the weapons of darkness, keep you becoming truly alive in Christ, keep you loving the church deeply, even when the church is weak. And our board had this sense that we needed to shift our focus coming out of COVID, not just to new plans and strategies and ministries, but to a commitment to wholehearted devotion to God and a longing for the coming of Jesus in our lives and in our churches and in our communities in ways that we haven't sensed in years. And the good news, friends, is that it is our Father's will that we long for him, that we love him, and that we serve him with wholehearted devotion. And so I want to invite, there's a bunch of scripture readers that are going to come this morning. We're going to get a sampling. These aren't all the verses in the Bible about, come on, while I'm talking here, uh, the people that are going to be reading Bible verses. And uh, we're going to hear a lot of verses from a variety of places in the Bible about wholehearted devotion, loving God with our whole heart. I love you, Lord, with all my heart. So I invite the readers uh, to begin. Deuteronomy 4.10 There you will seek the Lord your God, find him, after him with all your heart, with all your soul. Secondly, from Deuteronomy 6.5 You shall love the Lord your God, all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Deuteronomy 10:12. And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? 
but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. I'm glad this morning we have shown the Lord that he can count on us in heaven to praise him. I will do so by my readings. I will start with Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 3. I read, You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. I will jump to Deuteronomy 30, verse 6. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring, so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Now I will just fly to Joshua chapter 22, verse 5. And I read, Only be very careful to observe the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you to love, to love the Lord your God and to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandment and to serve him and to cling to him and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Now I will land with First Samuel chapter 12 verse 20. And Samuel, this is me speaking, said to the people, do not be afraid. You have done all this evil, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. Amen. Also in Samuel, but not Samuel, we have for Samuel um, twelve twenty four. Only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart, for consider what great things he has done for you. First Kings eight sixty one. Let your heart, therefore, be wholly true to the Lord our God, walking in his statutes and keeping his commandments as at this day. First Chronicles 28.9 And you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Lastly, in Psalm 81, 11, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. From Psalm 119, verse 10, with my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Psalm 119, verse 34, give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lastly, Psalm 138, verse 1. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. 29.13 You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Joel 2, verse 12 Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and with mourning. And Matthew 27.37 And he said to him, You shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is no insignificant theme in the Bible. That's 17 different places. There's other places that we go in the scripture to find this same call. The, the Bible describes God as one who is scanning the horizon, constantly looking for people who have narrowed their life down to one thing. One thing. A love and affection for him. 
The eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. Second Chronicles 16.9. This last summer, a friend of mine uh, got an old boat and he fixed it up and he became a fisherman. He wasn't a fisherman, but he bought a fishing boat and, and got it together and he asked me to come fishing with him to a place called Crawling Valley Reservoir. Have anybody even heard of that place? That's in Alberta, the massive uh, reservoir lake. And uh, we went out on the, on the water, and he had bought all of, the, uh, you know, all of the fisherman bling. So he had a fish finder on the back of this boat, and he was trolling around looking for the fish. And this, this fish finder would actually tell him uh, where the fish were, how many fish you could see them, how deep they were, and uh, he would get us right over top of them, and then we put our, our lures in, and then they still ignored us, right? So, it, it, I don't know, it was kind of a, a cool piece of technology, but it was just like fishing normally, where you don't catch anything. The scriptures say that God has a heart finder, that he's scanning the horizon of the earth, and he's looking for those hearts that are wholly committed to loving him. Throughout history, there have been millions and millions of people who have had a heart like this towards God. Maybe even billions. At least in oscillation. At least in spurts and prolonged seasons. Falling and rising and and walking again. As we head into the second half of winter, after two harrowing years of pandemic, followed by a year of economic fallout and the Russia-Ukraine crisis and supply chain issues and worker shortages and culture wars and the stress of figuring out how to navigate in this new reality, through which time you have likely experienced diluted grace and gratitude for who you are and what you do. My question for you is, how is your heart towards God? Today is an opportunity to consider the status of your heart's affection and devotion to Father, Son, and Spirit. Are you wholehearted towards him? Are you half-hearted? Are you hard-hearted? Are you cold-hearted? You know. And the Lord who scans to and fro across the earth, he knows. When I look through the biblical record, there are so many personalities that God commends. People that caught God's eye while doing his daily scan of humanity. And in, in some way, these people were exceptional because of what God chose to do through them. But in many other ways, they were just ordinary people, just like you and me, just living out their lives here in Lethbridge, who sought first the kingdom of God, who had simple faith and obedience towards him, who possessed humble and courageous devotion towards him. People like Noah and Mary Magdalene and Job and Hannah and Jehoshaphat and Abraham and Caleb and Deborah and Esther and Mordecai and Peter, Paul and Timothy. They were ordinary people. I mean, we read extraordinary things about their lives, but really they were just people who would say, I love you, Lord, with all my heart. I'm in. I'm with you. I repent before you. I kneel before you. I will follow you. Ordinary people with the same heart as Hezekiah, who said, I've walked before you faithfully with wholehearted devotion. Of course, the person the Bible describes more than any other as having heart, wholehearted devotion is David. King David was just a young shepherd tending a few sheep. He was out of sight, unnoticed, and insignificant, a very ordinary, normal young man in his day. But in this obscurity, David's heart became a God-shaped container of radical devotion to the one and only true God. 
And when Samuel, who was the kingmaker, went to discern which of Jesse's sons would be the next king, when he saw David's older brother, tall, handsome, and strong, he thought in his mind, this must be the next king. But God said to him, do not consider his outward appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And in Acts, it says of King David that he was a man after God's own heart, willing to do everything that God wanted him to do. Even though David is described in exemplary ways, I appreciate the honesty with which David judges his own heart. For not only could he be a lavish worshiper, he also was an awful sinner. He too had oscillation in his wholehearted devotion for God, and he had to come back to God. He was a lover of God who fell from grace and then received grace afresh. And as many as any others, he knows the pitfall of of walking with God while living with human passions and desires and weaknesses. And he makes no excuses for himself. He says in Psalm 51, I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Or in Psalm 101, he says, I'm trying my best to walk in the way of integrity, especially in my own home, but I need your help, God. Do you ever feel like David? I'm trying, Lord, but I could sure use some help. Wholehearted love and devotion requires a commitment and a predetermined resolve to allow nothing and no one to separate us from our allegiance to God. And King David fostered this in multiple ways. I think that there are disciplines in our lives that actually foster a wholehearted love and devotion for God. And there's elements of those in David's life. He had a soft heart. He had a value, high value on God's word. He had persistence in prayer. He was an unrestrained worshiper like Solo. And he was saturated with the Holy Spirit. All of these essential to wholehearted devotion. And I just want to touch on this spirit saturation component because, friends, um, We cannot maintain a wholehearted love and devotion to God without the help of God's Spirit alive and at work within us in the first place. Uh, Romans chapter 8 says that the Spirit of God inhabits a human being, and it cries out for within our own soul, Abba, Father. There's a sensibility within the Holy Spirit to be connected to the triune God and connects us to the triune God when we are filled with God's Spirit. When King David became king, when he was anointed, it says, from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. After David had sinned, he said, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Wholehearted devotion recognizes the Spirit of God as the sufficient source of all we need. He is able. Yes, for the winter and all its ambiguities in our day-to-day lives here in Lethbridge. And yes, for the long flu season and economic storms ahead. And yes, for our church leadership team here and your part in it at University Drive Alliance as we march onward in ministry, faithfully stewarding our gifts and calling to the glory of God and to the benefits of this community. A couple of years ago, for Christmas, my kids got together and they they bought me an Apple Watch. That's a pretty nice Christmas gift, wouldn't you say? And um, these Apple Watches, they're they're pretty amazing, actually. Uh, They can make phone calls. They can read email. You can listen to your text messages through your wrist. You can listen to music. I can manage my calendar from my watch. I can, I can pay for anything. I've got Apple Pay on my wrist. Beep, beep. 
I'm probably buying stuff for other people all the time. I just don't know it. It has an alarm clock on it. It measures my sleep. It it measures my physical activity and how much calories I'm burning. I could tell you how many calories I burned in worship already today. It has an ECG. It monitors my heart. It'll give me a printout that I can access through a computer. Imagine for a moment that we had a gauge that accurately measured the temperature of our heart towards Jesus. How is your heart towards God? How is it, friends? How are your children's hearts? How is your spouse's heart? How is your best friend's heart? How is our heart as a church towards God? The elders of the district are saying that there is a great spiritual battle going on in the church in this season for her commitment of love to Jesus, which is evident in the growing lack of commitment to the church itself. There is a spiritual battle for our love. Today, friends, I'm here to invite you to give up the struggle. To give yourself afresh into the arms of Christ. And to join Flory Evans in Wales, who says, I love you, Lord Jesus, with all of my heart. And maybe that's how it begins. Friends, may the teenagers lead us. May the children lead us but may we not leave it to them. Let's join them. Let's exclaim with wholehearted devotion, O God, with all our hearts, we long for more of you. Come, loving Father, be gracious to us. Come, Lord Jesus, transform us. Come, Holy Spirit, fill us. We need more of you. I want to give you just a moment to reflect on that and ask Salo if you just play some instrumental music just for a moment. And let's stand together, can we? I think we're going to sing a song. I just want to ask you to consider your ways. And I, oh, Holy Spirit, we know you're speaking to our hearts right now. You know where you've been in the past. Perhaps you're at a low cycle of the oscillation of devotion towards God. Today, friends, can be a fresh renewal in your relationship with Him. And perhaps God's Spirit is prompting some of you to exclaim in the community of your friends and family. Lord Jesus, I love you with all my heart. That's okay. You go ahead and do that while we worship, or as you wish.